that Oklahoma has. These guys are monsters. Charleston Ramble, C.D. Lamb, you got Jaden Hazelwood, true freshman, and other guys that aren't necessarily talked about on a consistent basis that go out there and make plays. Uh, you know, Lee Morris, you got Nick Basquin, and then they also just lost their tight end, uh, Calcaterra, who just retired from football. And so even in the backfield, we'll get into Oklahoma here in a second, but it should be very interesting to see how Baylor adjusts and make adjustments for this game um, because they've they've already seen their secondary and their defense uh, get torched in the second half. I think that obviously had a lot to do with Jalen Hurts' legs, like I mentioned, uh, but we'll see if this defense can make adjustments and find some success as they did in the first half in this first matchup. Now, switching gears to Oklahoma, uh, we've pretty much talked about some of the skilled positions and some of the, the more impact players on this team, right? Jalen Hurts, of course, the quarterback. Uh, Kennedy Brooks has been phenomenal. Another guy uh, in the backfield for uh, Oklahoma, Ramondre Stevenson. Dude has been a beast, to be quite honest. Um, he, he, he will... He will run a few people over before he goes down. Um, and then we look into uh, the skill position, C.D. Lamb, Charleston Ramble, all those great guys. This offense has been clicking. I think it's more so a combination of having the personnel and talent times, you know, having Lincoln Riley as their coach and coordinator who essentially puts these guys in positions to succeed, high, low in the route combinations. And this offense just schematically is so quarterback friendly that it's really hard to not find someone in open space. And even outside of their passing game, they've been a very balanced attack. We see Jalen Hurts leave the pocket a whole lot. They draw up some quarterback powers for him, power left, power right, uh, quarterback draws. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts runs the ball for anywhere from 15 to 20 carries this game. That's kind of been how he's been trending. He's been trending in that direction heavily throughout these past few weeks. He's just been running more and more and more. Really, the offense isn't something really to worry about much uh, because we know we're going to get from them. They're the constant in this Oklahoma team. They're very consistent. We know that they're going to produce. On the other hand, it's the defense, right? Which Oklahoma defense are you going to get this week? Which Oklahoma are you going to get this quarter, this half? So that hasn't been a constant. That hasn't been consistent. Um, there are guys that can make plays on this defense. They have the talent. Uh, I like an interior defensive lineman, Neville Gallimore, who's been a beast at nose tackle. And whenever he plays well, he's essentially blowing up the pocket, uh, whoever he's lining up against. But he hasn't been consistent either. Their best pass rusher from a statistical basis has been Ronnie Perkins, a defensive end on the outside, sophomore. Been very good, been getting to the quarterback. Moving to the second level, we got Kenneth Murray, who's a freaking beast. This guy is sideline to sideline, can cover really anyone, um, tight ends, running backs, possibly even wide receivers. He's that type of athlete, um, and he's got that type of speed. Now, statistically, the defense has been better in recent weeks. We take a look at TCU, where they allowed 65 passing yards, along with 139 rushing yards. Keep in mind, TCU is down to their second or third string quarterback, and they really haven't been a high-powered offense throughout this whole season. So, something to keep in mind. Now, Oklahoma State, a week ago, held them to 207 through the air and 128 on the ground. Again, Oklahoma State down to their second-string quarterback after Spencer Sanders went out with injury. I do like Drew Brown, but they also lost their best weapon on the outside in Tylen Wallace, who went out for the season with an ACL tear. And then again, losing Spencer Sanders, another guy who's been a great threat from the pocket. Um, but yeah, overall, this defense has been better in recent weeks. 
all that being said, everything that they've accomplished and been able to do throughout this year is not going to matter if they don't show up this weekend. Now, as far as how I see this game playing out, I do think we're going to see the game uh, that we saw in the second half of the first matchup. I think that's what we're going to see this weekend when I think Oklahoma is going to find a lot of success offensively, especially with C.D. Lamb back in the lineup. I think Charlie Brewer is going to have an average game overall. I think he's going to find areas of success here and there, but not enough on a consistent basis to will this team to a victory. I think their defense, like I talked about, they've got phenomenal guys in the pass rush as well in the secondary. But I think Lincoln Riley is just too good. He schemes too well. He prepares too well. And I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes twice. I expect Oklahoma to essentially do what Baylor did in the first half of the first game. I think Oklahoma goes up anywhere from two to three possessions. And I think because of that, their offensive success, I think that's going to force Baylor to kind of be uncomfortable, right? Because they're going to have to um, try and go for big plays. Their defense isn't going to be getting nearly as many stops. So they're going to have to start forcing things that they don't normally force in order to get back into the game. So they're going to be chasing the game. Their defense isn't playing nearly as well. And the thing with Baylor, their defense is their calling card. So if their defense isn't playing well, this team is probably going to be struggling in whatever game they're playing in. And if all those pieces fall into place, the Oklahoma defense doesn't even have to have a great game. They can have an average game at best, sit guys in coverage, rush anywhere from three to four uh, defenders, sit one guy to spy, and essentially make Charlie Brewer pick you apart. And that's where I think Oklahoma will start to pull away in this game. They're probably going to force some turnovers because they are forcing this Baylor offense into an uncomfortable position where they're going to need to force things downfield and essentially turn into an offense that they haven't been throughout the season. And so this is how I believe the game is going to play out. I think Oklahoma wins this game 38 to 27. Once again, my final score, Oklahoma wins 38 to 27. With that being said, drop your comments or opinions in the comment section. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Appreciate all the support. Thanks for listening to the end. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, evening, or night. This is Justin of The Critic signing off. Peace. His light shine the brightest in the dark. Single mothers know they get my heart. How you get so much favor on your side? Accept the measure, Lord and Savior, I replied. What's going on, guys? Just another critic here. Welcome back to the channel. We are continuing my conference championship predictions. Moving into the Big 12 championship where we have the Baylor Bears 11-1, 8-1 in conference. Taking on Oklahoma Sooners 11-1, 8-1 in conference. Oklahoma having the loss from Kansas State. Baylor having the one loss from Oklahoma up they were up 28 to 3 at one point and essentially allowed Oklahoma to get back into the game. Oklahoma's defense stepped up. We saw some turnovers in the second half from the Baylor Bears, and Oklahoma was able to take advantage of that and turn that into points. Eventually, being able to pull off the comeback, the final score was Oklahoma 34-31. A great game, a good effort put out by the Baylor Bears. Um, but now it's all on the line today. Along with the Big 12 Championship, there is a possible college football playoff berth involved in the winner, uh, for the winner, and that would obviously be the fourth spot. This all depends on whether or not Georgia can beat LSU. If Georgia beats LSU, all this really doesn't matter for the most part. We're most likely going to see the same four teams that are already in stay in. Now, for those of you guys betting on this game, 
Baylor, 8-4 against the spread. Oklahoma, 5-7 against the spread. The number is at 9. The over-under is at 64. All right, let's quickly get into statistics and then we can get into my own personal thoughts on the game. Baylor averaging 36 points per game, defense allowing 18 points per game. Offense is averaging 258 through the air, 186 on the ground, while the defense allowing 208 through the air and 142 on the ground. Oklahoma, on the other hand, averaging 44 points per game, allowing 24 points per game, while the offense is averaging 304 through the air, 260 on the ground, and the defense allowing 195 through the air and just 140 on the ground. What's interesting is that I just covered this matchup pretty much two weeks ago or so, and I actually had Baylor winning that one 34-28. Obviously, we all know how it turned out, but I believe the matchup, I mean, there isn't much new that I can talk about about these teams. I love Baylor. I talked about it in my earlier, you know, breakdown of the of this matchup. Uh, Charlie Brewer is a great quarterback, like I said, and, and he's got some phenomenal weapons at the wide receiver position. R.J. Sneed, who has been making plays. Denzel Mims, another big, lanky guy who's going to make plays. Uh, Ty, Ty, uh, Tyquan Thornton and Chris Platt, all guys at the skill positions at wide receiver that have been making plays for this offense throughout the season. Um, and their running back, who's been a beast, Jamichael Hasty. This offense has definitely been a work in progress, and it's something that they've gotten better on a week-to-week basis. And while Charlie Brewer has been fairly good in the past game, I think it's his legs that have been the more dangerous aspect of his game, right? Uh, we see him, we kind of take a look at his past game, uh, what he's been able to do. TCU, two touchdowns, one interception. Oklahoma, two touchdowns, one interception. And then Kansas, one touchdown, one interception. And then we look at what he's been able to do on the ground. We saw him go for one rushing touchdown versus TCU, two rushing touchdowns versus Oklahoma, one rushing touchdown versus Texas. And so it's obvious that his legs are a big part of his game. But if he really wants to win some of these bigger games that he's going to be faced with, uh, if he eventually finds himself in the college football playoff, if they can pull this off and all things on the outside take care of themselves, he's going to need to be better in the pocket. Simple as that. He needs to be more efficient, make better decisions, not turn the ball over. Right. That's kind of the job of being a quarterback. Um, But of course, his legs play a big part in his game and what he does and just how well this team succeeds on offense. And so we'll see what he's able to do this weekend. Of course, I believe they're probably going to spy him. They're not going to want to let him leave the pocket nearly as much. If you just take a look at the second half of that Oklahoma-Baylor game, I think that's what we're going to see from Oklahoma as far as how they want to, you know, play Charlie Brewer. They're probably going to have somebody spy him essentially force him to go through his reads, make the right decisions, not turn the ball over. And that's not something he's necessarily been able to do on a consistent basis. So I think they're just going to be playing the percentages, playing the odds, and really forcing him to do something that he's not really been consistent at doing throughout the season. The Baylor defense, on the other hand, they're a defense that I have talked up whenever I had the chance to cover some of their matchups. I think they're phenomenal in the pass rush. They've been great in coverage. But I do feel like Oklahoma may have somewhat found some vulnerabilities in this defense um, towards the second half, right? That's when they started finding more success. And I don't think the vulnerabilities are necessary from a schematic standpoint. I think it's more so from a personnel standpoint. 
and just man-to-man matchups, right? Oklahoma just has some very talented dudes at the skilled positions. That's pretty obvious. Um, but like I talked about, the secondary has been great. Um, the linebacker position has been phenomenal. A guy like uh, Terrell Bernard, who's got 95 tackles on the season, four and a half sacks. Uh, one of their best guys on the interior at getting to the quarterback, James Lynch, who's got 10 and a half sacks. Uh, again, in their secondary, they've got 49 pass breakups this season, along with 16 interceptions. That's ridiculous. So they are playing very well. I understand it's the Big 12, but it's very rare that we get to see a defense like this show up in the Big 12. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they match up, right? Like I talked about, I don't think it's a vulnerability from a schematic standpoint. I think it's more so just personnel, right? Take Take a... Take a look at some of the wide receivers 